Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures premiered on September 15th, 1990 on CBS. Let's put 21 minutes on the clock. Pilot study, Chris and Grimes. They're talking all of your favorite shows. But only the pilot episode that means the first show. In case you didn't know. When you never know what show they're gonna talk about. But they're only gonna talk about the first one. And that's the premise behind Pilot Study. Hello and welcome to Pilot Study episode number 52. My name is Chris Lantinen and I'm joined, as always, he is the cherry avocado banana super freeze of hosts. <laughs> it's Grimes. Welcome, Grimes. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing very well. That, that was a compliment, I believe. He says it is, you know, magnificent or excellent or most nutritious, most nutritious, any, you know, any of those hip descriptors that they use. So we are talking today about, and we actually have to specify this because there are two shows with the exact same name, as far as I know, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, the cartoon, which was a Saturday yes. morning cartoon. It premiered on a Saturday on CBS, as we said, uh, the, a year later. So the cartoon ran from uh, ran in 1990 and 1991, and the first season actually has the real deal voices. So we have Keanu Reeves, we have Alex Winter, right? That's the, that's the second guy's name? Yep. Okay. Uh, and uh, George Carlin as kind of like their... George Carlin. As their guide. Now, you're, of course, going to have to help me because as I revealed to you earlier, I have never seen this movie. That's probably like <laughs> blasphemy to some people listening here. Uh, but I, I haven't seen it. Um, but, of course, I know... I know the people that are in it and all that good stuff. So the first season has these real voices, which is quite the rarity, as we'll get into. And this is a Hanna-Barbera version. It gets to the second season. They lose those people. Uh, they bring in replacements. And then by season two, it is canceled. That's in 91. In 92, they try to do a live-action version of the show. There is an unaired pilot of this live-action version. It was, a, it was a show made for Fox, but you can find the unaired, the unaired pilot over at, uh, over at YouTube. So if you want to check out this after you watch the cartoon and get the full Bill and Ted uh, early 90s TV experience, that is, that's recommended. It's very, very bad, the two clips that I saw. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. So, was this a sh was this was the movie some <clears throat> major part of your childhood, or did it just kind of come and go as most movies do? I would say it was a higher than average part uh, on a VHS level. Okay, so you had like, this VHS. Was like, this was like wore it down a little bit. Wore down the VHS for sure. The box was all ripped up. You couldn't read the <laughs> writing. Spilled all kinds of IGA soda all over it. <laughs> Yeah, I think. Um, but yeah, the uh, the uh, first movie I think was like a sleeper hit. I don't think I don't think anyone thought it was going to get as big. And then obviously they made a sequel, which was just god awful. But that was the one I saw in the theater. Hmm. Um, and I ended up only seeing that in the theater because my older cousin and I tried to get into Terminator Two <laughs> because he was sixteen. And then technically, if you were seventeen, you could like be considered an adult and like bring in a kid. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but that's not how it worked. That's how we thought it worked. Really, everyone has to be at least 17. Right. So the only movie that was showing at the same time we were there was Bill and Ted Part 2, Bogus Journey, and it was a bogus journey. And you missed out on Terminator 2 in the theaters. In the theater because I was too young. Yeah, I assume it never happened for you. No, no, I never ah. did. I had to wait. VHS or HBO or whatever. I think my most worn down VHS was probably like my bat, my Tim Burton Batman VHS. Like the t- the whole like the top part of the v- the VHS or the case is like torn off. It was like put in and out so much. So I think that's got to be the one that's most worn down. Um, this this yep. uh, this episode is called "One Sweet and Sour Chinese Adventure to Go." The IMDb description states: uh, Bill and Ted accidentally break Missy's, I mean Miss Mrs. Preston's antique Chinese vase, and must go on a most superdacious adventure back to antique China to get her a new one before she returns home. Uh, so that is the episode description. Pretty much, pretty much nails it. Uh, we are again dealing with um, quite the depiction of uh, China and its residents. <laughs> yeah. why, why? Why does every show? I know. I don't think it was with the. I don't think Saved by the Bell did anything. But between this and Power Rangers, man, we are having like a like a reality check in terms of Asian portrayal in the early nineties. Yeah, I mean, I like to consider this under the category of educationally racist <laughs> yeah. uh, because they're trying to teach life lessons. But like, you know, they're doing all the typical stuff that now, you know, it's like hack to make fun of people for doing it because it's so obvious. But right. it's pretty bad at times. Yeah. And the, the cheesy ass animation level doesn't help either. No. It just makes it seem all the more rudimentary and like, I don't know. They all basic. Look- they all look like evil Asian villains that would be in like uh, He-Man or something, you know. They all look like super bad guys, and then on top of that, when when they say like we're gonna go to antique China, because they don't know know how to say ancient China, uh, playing off their their stupid their stupidity. Um, actually, no, they're not that stupid. I'll, we'll get back to that in a second. But when they say they're gonna go to China, it immediately cuts to like the you know the super stereotypical music it doesn't have the gong we're still waiting for that show to bust out the gong in earnest no gongs yet thank Uh, goodness but it was as close to a gong as you could possibly get um and of course it's still quite offensive so this is ancient china looks just like the epcot center but where is everybody hey old ancient asian dude we thought China was supposed to be totally crowded. Give us a few hours. Uh, so we, ha- we obviously have the the uh, real voices here. I assume the Missy, the very young stepmom, that is a plot taken from the movie, correct? Yes. And That's, uh, a, that's a common joke, uh, Missy, I mean mom. That, that comes up in a lot of those movies. Gotcha. Uh, so when I was looking through the voice cast of this episode, I also noticed a lot of very large names. I noticed Phil Hartman, uh, Little Richard, and Jeffrey Tambor. Did you? Because it just says voice by them. It doesn't really um, identify who exactly they're playing. So did you hear any of those voices anywhere? No, and I mean I wouldn't have remembered anyway. I didn't in this episode. No, but, but um, I can I couldn't really tell if I was listening for it maybe, but. Little I didn't Rich- look beyond little, the stars. Little Richard seems like it would be the Marco Polo character. 
I I couldn't get like maybe Phil Hartman is the dad or Jeffrey Tambor's the dad or something. I'm not really I'm not positive. So that's I couldn't pick them out to be obvious. That's some that's something that if people are following along and watching, maybe they can maybe they can let us know. <laughs> so the opening scene is uh, just to kind of set this up. The opening scene is Bill and Ted. They are rocking out hardcore in their garage, and the dad <laughs> comes in and tells them to quiet it down. Uh, they take off for the day for work or whatever, and um, one of them says, "How can we attain true uh, melodious splendor unless we are allowed to turn our amps up to the utmost limit?" Uh, so they decide to keep rocking out to disobey the father, and they break what they believe to be a very expensive uh, vase, which prompts this uh, journey over to China to get a <laughs> replacement. I mean, how can we attain true melodious splendor unless we are allowed to turn our amps up to the utmost limits? Good point, Ted. <laughs> Oh man, your stepmom's brand new antique Chinese vase. Are you in trouble, dude? Ted, this is indeed a most heinous turn of events. Saying that, do they always do they always talk like? Uh, is that uh, are they always using that type of language in the film as well? Is yes. that a carryover? Okay. That's definitely a carryover, and I actually like the stoner accent and all yeah. the catchphrases. I think it's kind of funny. It's a nice little gimmick. So what's their um, balance? It's, it's on. They, it's on brand. What's their balance? Are they like intelligent stoners? Is that kind of what they're going for? Um, that's what they're going for. Like in the movies, they time travel around to finish like various book reports and school assignments. So instead right, right. of like reading a book about Napoleon, they go meet him with George Carlin in the time machine. You figure that much out from mm-hmm. this cartoon. Um, so they're trying to always like, I think, I believe in the first movie, they're just trying to graduate high school and, uh, they have to keep their grades up or whatever to participate in the battle of the bands with wild stallions. So that's their (laughs) incentive. They need to be smart enough to rock out. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, they're motivated stoners. I don't know if they're smart, but they certainly do their best. This is, I actually, I actually quite liked this pilot despite the, bad portrayals that they had when they went over to China. I think that probably would be cleaned up in like a modern day type of setting, obviously. I think this type of show though could very much survive on on, you know, like in daytime programming or on like a cartoon network. It's like kind of bordering on the edge of educational programming. They're bringing up all these historical figures. I assume they talk about historical events like I think this show should have survived much longer than two seasons. I get that they lost the they lost the trademark voices, but like it could have went the it could have went the magic school bus route, where it served as like again that educational programming with a slight edge. It could have been like a yeah. Rick and Morty type of adventure show, like storylines and timelines crossing and things getting really trippy, and they're just kind of like the goofy centers, like a less angry, less vulgar version of. Rick and Morty. I think it had a couple paths that it could have followed and um, maintained and maintained itself as a show for several seasons. I, I'm surprised this one didn't last so long. That second season must have been really bad. Yeah, I think once the talent left, so to speak, that was probably the only reason why advertisers were on board is because like those Keanu was almost a movie star. I think after this, mm-hmm. 
because Point Break wouldn't have been that long after that time frame, even if that that might have even been before. I don't know all those dates, but Point Break was '91, um, so that was like second so it's like the time. same time. Yeah, yeah. So he was, so you're not he was about to bust him, out, right? And Alex Winter, who knows what he probably wishes he stayed on the cartoon now. <laughs> I think Alex- no, I've actually seen him do a bunch of stuff, um, and he kind of poked fun at that, like in a sketch or something. I remember he, he referenced like um, he, it was like a Garfunkel type thing, you know? Yeah, I think I think he he does a lot of doc a lot of documentaries now. It seems like yes, that's what he does. That's he, right. He did this. He deep- was on a podcast. He was talking. Oh, he was on WTF. Oh, okay. He did this deep that's- web this deep web documentary and downloaded. It seems like he enjoys exploring internet culture and now he's doing one called zappa apparently and it is obviously an in-depth look at frank zappa so he's you know he's staying busy and that's pretty that's good for him it's awesome yeah he seems like he's not john wick but few of us are but he's surviving let's uh let's get into some title talk i had been selected for a most important journey i was to help fulfill the destiny of the two great ones bill and Ted. Wild Stallions rule! Whenever time stands still and trouble moves too fast. Title talk. A cool, a cool little uh, uh, sequence, uh, I think, at least. Um, I, I, I do want to ask you, like, he calls them, George Carlin calls them the two great ones, Bill and Ted. I have been selected for a most important journey, and then he's like, I need to find the two great ones, Bill and Ted. So are they supposed to be, like, chosen ones, or how does that work? This is just, I don't like, really remember. Like, <laughs> you know, I feel bad. Yeah. But, um, this is like me trying, movie, to, trying to basically watch the movie through you on this podcast. Yeah, and I don't remember. I guess in my research, I did not rewatch the movies, but I kind of wish I would have now, and I might after this. But um, I don't remember why, how, why or how they were chosen, um, but that would have been probably in the first act of the first film. Okay, gotcha. It, it seems like I'm I'm looking at. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if this is gr- a great site to look at this. The Deja Reviewer, and it seems like yeah, they're supposed to be. No, they just have satire. I thought I saw something. Our satires of the chosen one story. So it seems like there is something something in there that. Uh, it's like chosen one in nature. Um, so I do have a question about the plot, not of the movie, finally, but of the show, of this of this episode, where they go from China to... Basically, they break a bunch of faces, and they are punished, and they have to build the Great Wall. The Great Wall falls, and then they're captured again because of that, and they're basically sent on Marco Polo's boat back to Italy, right? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, so they're they basically keep screwing up and are punished by these various historical figures and you know have to paint the boat or build the Great Wall or whatever. My question is so before they leave, before they leave in the time machine the first time at the beginning of the episode, Carlin like tries to warn them about something. What is he trying to warn them about? Did you catch that? I did not catch that. That's not in my notes. He says, he says like, um, they're about to leave, and he said, I have to warn you really quick, and then they take off or something. Or no, they say, yeah, don't drink the water. Like, they think they know what the warning is, and he said, that's not it. But then I don't remember if it actually comes back around. Do they ever reference back to it? Yeah, maybe not. Maybe that's so. a loose end. Because <laughs> I didn't that's catch a, that. a loose end for a later episode. I think it might be 
that where the time machine ended up was in like a no park zone. Like, I think that's what they're, he was warning them about, but that would be really silly. Yeah, I don't know. I thought, I thought the warning would be like um, timeline-esque in nature, you know, like don't do anything that would change oh, the future. Oh, like the butterfly effect. Yeah. yeah, yeah, something like that. We would love to hang out and chat, Rufus, but we are on our way to ancient China. I'm supposed to warn you guys. Yeah, we know. Don't drink the water. No, it was something else. Another no, question. I don't think so. Another question I had for you kind of on the outskirts of this episode the no the anchovies on pizza thing this is also a thing in turtles was there ever a time in history where you had to ask for no anchovies that seems like a very niche pizza topping that you have to like that you would have to special request to actually have it on there yeah i mean we had i worked in a pizza shop for three years and i'm pretty certain in that three years we went through maybe one can of anchovies <laughs> total and that was because like one person ordered it and the rest just got went rotten by the expiration date you know <laughs> they act like they're saying like no cheese like it's something that comes on every pizza i've always uh thought that to be a little odd um, yeah you don't have to say no anything the whole point of pizza is you specifically <laughs> say only what you do want you don't give a list of everything you don't want <laughs> that shit would take forever like where do you draw the line you know like uh, yeah, the people kill me. This, and it's also funny when people are like, "All right, so that's two toppings, right?" So I want cheese and pepperoni. It's like, no, numb nuts. Cheese doesn't count. Like, <laughs> you don't have to order sauce and cheese as toppings. That's Standard like, pizza comes with sauce and cheese. That is uh, not your topping. No. Uh, anyway. Another thing I wanted to mention is that anytime a sentence in a show begins with Confucius says, that is what they say right before they're going to say something really racist. <laughs> It's like whatever you're leading with Confucius says, you know, the rest of the sentence cannot be good. One thing about the language, too, is that it threw me that all the Chinese people either spoke with the most broken racist stereotype accent or perfect crystal clear English. Yeah, that was weird. Or like a slight English accent, like I noticed. Yeah, like a British accent. Just everything set in the past always has a British accent for some reason. (laughs) Uh, But like... I, I that's what threw me and um i think we kind of skipped over a little bit of title talk not to go back too oh yeah far, sorry, go ahead go ahead that song it sounded like they said we can't get michael bolton but we'll get somebody who sounds just like him and we're gonna write three verses to this bitch like that thing felt so long it was very long and i thought it was michael bolton for the longest time i i, I couldn't find any confirmation but it's that kind of voice it's like a very and that production value where it's ever the treble is cranked to like 100 <laughs> it's like they they hired the a michael bolton impersonator that like went around and if you couldn't buy michael bolton you got him that's that's right. really what it felt like yeah but a lot of lyrics um usually i like that kind of stuff this one does run a little long and it does rely a little once it goes to like the computer generated not like the traditional animation drawn animation but like the computer generated them flying through like what looks like the 90s depiction of a computer mainframe you know when they're flying through time yeah yeah. and that that always is bad to me another thing i would say is that um one scene in particular really evoked uh, scooby-doo and their stoner tendencies they're like running in silhouettes from a guy on a horse and it's just very quick across the screen, and they might actually go back and forth once. And I was like, "Oh, Scooby Doo, right there." That's a, uh, and of course, Hanna Barbera, Scooby Doo company. So 
I suppose if anybody can rip them off, it's uh, <laughs> it's the company itself. Yeah, it's brutal. And it just, I don't know, this animation style, it took me out of the coolness of the cartoon. Like, re-watching it would be hard for me because even South Park, which is that kind of, like, purposely shitty animation, mm-hmm. um, although that's cleaned up a lot now, uh, this is just that weird, like, post-Flintstones, pre-Simpsons, like, 80s nonsense that every cartoon has, and it just, I don't know, takes yeah. me out of it. It's, uh, I like, I liked everything about the show except the animation, you know? That's, yeah, that's same, basically same. it. Like, I thought it was a very sharply, uh, written show. I thought the, the dialogue between the two main characters was really strong, and, um, according to you, it, it mimicked the vibe of the movie, which obviously is the main goal. It had some lines that you know I was cracking, I was I was cracking smiles every now and then, and uh, yeah, I mean it helps to have like three talented actors in your roles to deliver uh, these lines. They they give them the the juice they need, and so I would I would watch I would watch something like this, like if they rebooted this for this century, you know, and had. Um, more appropriate depictions of other cultures i would totally watch this or i would let my kid watch it you know someday when i had when i had a child Um, because i think it could be developed as educational in nature and fun and you know like slightly stonerish type of comedy yeah i think if the cartoon network did it or or some yeah it'd be awesome legit outlet it would be good it would be good let's do some random notes um so like i said like i was talking about earlier like they're they're pretty in this show, at least, they seem to be smart kids. Like, they know historical events. They know some of the historical figures. Like, they recognize at least Marco Polo, even if they do believe it's the game you play in the pool, you know? It seems mm-hmm. like they have stuff... Uh, it seems like they're showcasing them as kids who are intelligent, yet haven't reached their full potential because they are just, like, a little loopy. And I thought I thought that was an interesting little twist. Um when they go to Italy, like in the phone booth, it was kind of weird because they didn't time travel. They just like teleported somewhere else. I didn't know the phone booth could also teleport. Uh, so that was yeah. interesting. The one waitress's name is Kit and Caboodles. And that is at the noodle place, obviously, <laughs> for the full joke. Uh, again, <laughs> interesting. Uh, the line, if my dad finds out I have been sentenced to hard Chinese labor. <laughs> I smiled at that. And yeah. when the guard asked, how was your task? Pretty good, Mr. Mean Guard Dude. Again, I smiled at that. I mean, I, I thought there was some pretty good lines in here. Yeah, some of those catchphrases are pretty funny, and they get mm-hmm. repeated a lot. One random note I had is that when they're building the Great Wall of China, talking to the guard, there's this one joke, and then they punctuate it with this like jazz keyboard instrumental. And then they keep the music continuing throughout the scene until it must have cut to commercial. And they're like speaking dialogue over top of this like weird keyboard track. And I just couldn't mm. understand why they kept that going. I don't know. I, I didn't notice that. I don't know. I, I just watch that I noted it. Well done, young rehabilitated infidels. So, ugly prison guard, are we like free to go about our business? Indeed. Here are your clothes, nicely dry, cleaned and pressed, and some money to begin your new lives. Please, righteous. Thanks, dude. I like I like when sharks smile on cartoons. You know, happy sharks that are trying to kill you. That always makes me a happy. Laugh. Shark is a good shark. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they invent pasta in this episode. They bring noodles over from China to Italy, and his dog's name is Spaghetti. 
So that's what that's so how that's how it gets its name. That's how it gets its name. That's canon now. That's historical canon. <laughs> <laughs> and that's right. In the end, it was a knockoff version of an of an antique Chinese vase. She got it from the new restaurant down the street. And uh, yeah, that's about it for the plot. And oh, one more thing, Keanu Reeves' eyes in this show. I don't know why they're like yeah, just black, straight black eyes, just black pits of despair. That freaked me out a little bit. He looks like he's on LSD, and his pupils are super <laughs> dilated. <laughs> oh, okay, I think I uh, I think that's about it. You can find this pilot at YouTube. Uh, there is a best of collection at Amazon for under $5. If you're interested in just grabbing it for, uh, for less than who's on the $5 bill, John, a Lincoln, a Lincoln, a less, less than a Lincoln. You can grab this for plus shipping, I guess. Sorry. Um, this of course has been part of our Saturday morning theme month. If you want to go and catch up, we did money more from power Rangers in the first episode of season three. And then for the second episode, we did save by the bell. And of course we'll have another one next week, but before we sign off for t- today, we got to continue our uh, kind of like our Saturday morning cart- uh, countdowns, our extended Saturday morning discussion. We've been we've been doing these countdowns where uh, it's it, it was intended to be Saturday morning like kind of culture and kind of what 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 went along with that, but mostly it's just been us talking about breakfast foods because all we right. did, all we did on Saturday, all we did on Saturday mornings was eat breakfast foods. I have a non-food idea for next week, so we'll have to make sure. That's, Excellent. Yeah, this one's gonna be a, a non a non-food idea for the next one. So today, you know, we did cereal. We got to do pop tarts, and we got to give our top five types of pop tarts. And there's probably been like what I would say close to fifty over the years. There's been in the 40s, I believe. In the 40s? All right. So, but we, we've we settled on a top five. Grimes, I'm going to let you go first. What are your what are your top five Pop-Tarts? All right. Well, I, as you know, I'm not a big fan of rankings. I usually just list, but these shits are okay. ranked because I've given this a lot of thought. <laughs> so, so these are in order of, from starting with five. Pumpkin pie. Okay. I will say Number that that four. is one that I outwardly was grossed out by when i had oh it. wow Dang. i really yeah. liked it <laughs> the only pop tart i've ever been like grossed out by see i i am grossed out by the chocolate on chocolate okay so we'll get to that okay so number four chocolate chip mm. no frosting just a straight up chocolate stripe in that shit's filled with chocolate it's pretty good okay number three s'mores mm-hmm. pretty self-explanatory Number two, frosted brown sugar cinnamon, old school OG, like one of the launch brands, one of the launch uh, models. And then number one, that unfrosted gone nutty peanut butter, just that straight like peanut butter cookie. Delicious. (sighs) That's a controversial list because uh, the big thing is there's no No fruits, no No fruit, no no, no strawberry on there. Oh, man, that shit hurts my teeth. It's too much sugar. It's like, ah. Okay, well then you're not gonna like my my top five. My number five is confetti cupcake. It's basically sold out now. It was a limited Sorry. one, but you Those can are good. yeah you can still grab it at Amazon, I believe. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts chocolate mocha. I had to go with that <laughs> Never one. Never had it. Ooh, very good. Number three, cherry. I'm a big I'm a big cherry guy. Number two. Oh. Yep, yep. Number two, s'mores, but refrigerated. Okay. Refrigerated. Oh, okay, okay. That was a that. that was a big time college snack because we did not have a toaster. 
we had a fridge, so I had to refrigerate these things, and I really, really grew, atta grew attached to them. And number one, strawberry. You can't talk. Wow. You can't talk. No the OG. cinnamon, dude. Nah, no cinnamon. I'm not a big cinnamon uh, guy. See, I think it's either whatever you started out with as a kid. If your parents yeah. get strawberry, that was your shit, or a cinnamon. You know. My last place, I made sure to put a last place. It would be blueberry. I fucking hate the blueberry ones. Yeah, that that blueberry fake stuff that can be a little bit much, and then the frosted. I don't know. In if I'm gonna go fruit like strawberry, I'll go unfrosted just because then it's more like a. <laughs> You know what I mean? In a, in college, there would be time at the end of the year where, like, people would have money left on their meal cards, right? And so yes, they, would go, yes. they would go in, and like the school would be trying to sell, you know, big batches of like kind of their pop tarts and their you know food like that that the packaged food they sold. I swear, blueberry was the only ones left at the end every single year because nobody likes blueberry. No, nah, nobody does. It. And that shit, and bring back confetti cupcake and the national suffering of blueberry pop tarts. I'm just throwing shade left and right. The pop tart company can hey, suck it. Yeah, they don't listen to the fans. They come with some weird <laughs> shit now too, like all these, the all these weird corporate tie-ins, Dunkin' Donuts, and so. I mean, I'm sure they're good, but come on, just bring back the standards. Keep <laughs> keep the peanut butter. I can't even get those anymore. Mr. Jones, have you heard this uh, pilot study podcast where they take you to task for your <laughs> your commitment to the blueberry brand what <laughs> <laughs> play that right now uh do they still advertise breakfast products on like kids networks Have well you... there are some laws i know like on pbs they don't so if you're watching like um sesame street or some of the more like smart stuff curious george and whatnot it can't be like sugar um, I'm, I'm sure i think there's some limitations on how they can advertise toys and food, but they still can because how else would they pay for that shit? Yeah, you know, I just remember like Pop Tarts were advertised a lot when I would watch Saturday morning cartoons. And the one I really remember was like they had their core flavors, right? And this was like kind of their first branch out into weird, different ones. It was called, um, it was like Wildberry or something. And it had like, okay. uh, it was like a creature in like the bushes or something like that. It was like a jungle type. Uh, commercial and I just remember them pushing that new flavor like really hard and yeah I would re I remember like all kinds of cereal commercials pop tarts and they would get you on those Saturday mornings and uh, you know judging from like w all three of them have been late 80s early 90s so far right yeah yeah I just I wonder what like the Saturday morning land obviously we're picking from our childhood but I wonder if the Saturday morning landscape has stayed relevant in that way in like an economical fashion like it just seemed like when we were young like we were at this peak of the saturday morning programming but that could just be nostalgia talking yeah i'm not really sure it seems you know obviously now there are more cable cutters and stuff but yeah even then you're still getting the networks and that stuff's going to come in on the i think it's still a vehicle like they still have ninja turtles and whatnot and they've got to sell toys and and pitch ads for movies. I think it's all like corporate synergy, fucking, you know, all that stuff. I, I just can't imagine that they don't do it, but I'm pretty cynical and I haven't watched, I don't watch regular TV except sports. So that's like obviously nighttime and way different. They're just selling beer. So I'm going to sit down one of these when I'm like back at my parents' house. I'm going to sit down and watch a block, a block of Saturday morning programming or something just to, you know, just to see where it stands and see if it's still like, Toy advertisement, cereal, toy, cereal, toy, cereal, like every every commercial break. Um, 
But we've got one more episode of this series to go. Uh, not Bill and Ted. This is not sure. a Bill and Ted podcast. Unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> not. Of Saturday morning programming. So we, of course, will leave that preview for you at the end. And then uh, after that, we've got some standalone episodes. So we will get to those when we get to them. But uh, we'll break from the theme months uh, for, you know, two or three. And then, we'll, and then of course, we'll have another one for you. But, yeah, I feel like it's been a... A good start to the season. Uh, thank you to everybody who has been listening and who has jumped back on the train. Uh, our Power Rangers podcast got up to our normal numbers in pr- a pretty quick time. Uh, so we thank you for that, the support on that one. And people seem to be enjoying the Saved by the Bell one. So keep listening. And, nice. Uh, we, uh, we hope that we're starting this starting the season off in a strong fashion for everybody that listens. Definitely. It's been fun. It's been a fun month. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. Thank you, guys, for joining me. Thank you. And we will talk to you guys later. Marshall, Will, and Holly On a routine expedition Met the greatest earthquake ever known High on the rapids They struck their tiny raft Plunge them down a thousand feet below To the land of the lost lost, 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 lost. Ow.